It's time. You can do this. You'll win this fight for your family. With the amulet that grants you power over... Oh, oh sorry, that's, that's wrong. With the power passed down for generations, you'll defeat this foul villain who... Uh, wait, he's my long-lost half-brother? When did that happen? Okay, you know what? Never mind. <clears throat> it's time. You can do this. You'll win this fight for your family. With the power passed down for generations, you'll defeat your long-lost half-brother and reclaim the orb of, uh, the crystal inside the orb that will protect your family by summoning aliens? Okay, that's it. Who's approving these changes? I'm your host, Harper Hunt, and this is Cursed Knowledge. If you're a fan of comic books, I'm sure the term retconning will be familiar to you. It may not have been invented by comic writers, but as the most frequent users, they definitely perfected it. A good rule of thumb is that the longer a series goes on for, and the higher the stakes, the more frequent the retcons. As comic storytelling makes its way to other media, and we have whole cinematic universes of movies and TV shows to keep up with, it's important to keep up with the language as well. So let me define my terms. Retconning is most literally an abbreviation of the phrase retroactive continuity, which is a very fancy way of describing when new information is added to an existing narrative that changes our perception of what was previously established. Yeah, maybe that didn't clear things up as much as I thought it would. Well, I guess it's time for my favorite thing, film and television references. Because while retconning can be applied to any type of narrative, it's much easier to see in film and TV. But before I drown you in 101 pop culture references, let me make one thing very clear. In any narrative, continuity is key. People need to be able to follow a narrative from start to finish. If you frequently make jarring and unpredictable changes to your story, your premise, or your actors, you'll lose your audience. So continuity matters. In the film industry, there's always someone on set whose sole job is to maintain continuity between takes. This means making sure that actors are holding the cup in the same hand, or that the food is always the same level of eaten. It makes it easier for the editors to put the different takes together into a seamless product. It also makes it easier for the audience to maintain their immersion in the story. This seems minor, but poor continuity can really ruin the scene and even the whole story. If you've ever seen the Scarlett Johansson version of Ghost on the Shell, first of all, my condolences, but then you might have also noticed the slip-up. Toward the end of the film, the big bad is ordering a big attack on our poorly cast protagonist. To make this moment imposing, the director is using all the tricks in his arsenal. Our villain is cast in harsh light and shot from behind, so he looks mysterious and imposing. He's standing and leaning over his desk to tower over his subordinate. He looks larger than life, and like a suitably stoic and ruthless character. Except for one thing. His hand. This man's hand keeps changing position. In the first shot, 
His hand is flat on the desk with his palms down holding his weight. But in the next shot, his hand is a fist, now balancing his weight on his knuckles. And in the third shot, his hand is back to being flat with palms down. That's where I lost it. This imposing, scary villain at his big climactic scene of ultimate evil is constantly fidgeting and shifting his weights, all while giving his very serious and diabolical speech. It took me out of the film completely. I wasn't scared of him. I was laughing at this guy, trying so hard to seem cool and failing so spectacularly. But while annoying, that's a very, very minor instance of poor continuity. And it's not a retcon. So when is something a retcon? Well, as I just said, a breach in continuity isn't automatically a retcon. It could just be an editing error or a plot hole. If it doesn't offer new information, it doesn't count. So as a general rule, standalone books or movies don't really have retcons. There are some exceptions, but generally you need a sequel to really qualify. Interestingly enough, a twist also isn't automatically a retcon. But Harper, I hear you cry. That's a new piece of information that fundamentally alters how we perceive past events. Of course it's a retcon. To which I respond, no. It all comes down to planning and authorial intent. If the author always planned for that twist and wove it into the story, then it's not retroactive. It's just the continuity. If the author added it in halfway through, at the end, or tweeted it ten years later, then it's a retcon. Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb with this reference, but y'all remember Gossip Girl? I don't mean the subpar HBO Max reboot, I mean the OG CW classic that predicted the social media surveillance state. If you don't, all you need to know is that it's a show about the scandalous lives of Manhattan's elite with a framing device of a gossip blog known as Gossip Girl. Throughout the series, the identity of the person running this blog is never revealed, and they are responsible for revealing secrets that alter the show and the lives of our main characters. We, the audience, only ever know her through Kristen Bell's stunning voiceovers. Until the finale. In a reveal that has landed Gossip Girl at the top of several worst finale ever lists, Gossip Girl's identity is finally revealed, and she is, spoiler alert for an episode that aired 10 years ago, Dan Humphrey. All right, assuming you weren't rapidly consuming Gossip Girl in the 2000s, Dan Humphrey, as played by Penn Bagley, was one of the five main characters and had the honor of being Blake Lively's primary love interest. He is the poor, scrappy underdog trying to fit in with the uber-wealthy and win the girl of his dreams. We've been following his story for six seasons, and we see him become disillusioned by the glamour, lies, and manipulation of the elite. He serves as the everyman voice of reason, the one to call out other characters for their privilege and warped worldview. And apparently, he's been manipulating and tormenting them under an alias this whole time. This reveal retcons the whole series, but in a bad way. The writers and producers have come out and said that they changed their minds several times during production about who would ultimately be Gossip Girl. Without a clear end goal, the reveal was always going to be a retcon and change future rewatches. But because they didn't plan it at all, rewatches will now include numerous shots of Dan 
all alone, acting shocked at a new secret that he just revealed. I mean, dude, really? You ran a blog that tormented your family, your friends, your girlfriends for years, and you're giving reaction shots to an imaginary audience? What the fuck? They turned what was the moral compass nice guy into a plotting psychopath who ruthlessly destroyed lives and stalked the object of his affections. So, yeah, that retcon really didn't work. And now you don't have to watch Gossip Girl. You're welcome. Alright, but if you're still with me, I think it's time to address the elephant in the room. J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter. Now, I'll preface this by admitting a bit of bias. I am a huge Harry Potter fan. I was the target demographic, and I grew up with the books. I've got merch. I went to midnight releases. I took the official Harry Potter class in college as sponsored by Warner Brothers. I love Harry Potter. To a point. The final Harry Potter book was released in 2007, and J.K. Rowling immediately began retconning. Not by writing new books and adding to the narrative as we might expect, but by dropping singular pieces of information that were supposed to reveal pieces of world-building or character details that didn't make it into the books. Basically, she was retconning through tweets instead of sequels. Much faster and cheaper than a narrative continuation, but also riskier. Because she's not weaving these details into a narrative, but rather stating them separately, there's a greater chance that she'll contradict the existing narrative and damage its credibility. It's a mixed bag. The most famous of these one-off revelations was her announcement that Dumbledore was gay. Now, this was big news in 2007. Gay characters weren't common, they still aren't, but Dumbledore was a major character in the series who had a complex narrative role that didn't revolve around his sexuality. As far as retcons go, this isn't bad. It recontextualizes the information we already had in a way that deepens the existing character instead of completely reshaping them. Unfortunately, this was only her first retcon bomb, and they all went downhill from there. I think we found rock bottom when she decided to confirm that Hogwarts only got bathrooms in the 18th century. Before that, people simply relieved themselves where they stood and vanished the evidence. Yeah, she decided to retcon bathroom habits and wizarding sanitation by making them shit themselves. Now, honestly, I could do a whole episode on bad retcons in Harry Potter, but I'll just leave you with some dishonorable mentions. The book and play Cursed Child revolves around Voldemort now having a secret kid, and the Fantastic Beasts series felt the need to tell us that Nagini, the evil murder snake, was actually a human woman trapped in snake form by a curse. Now, despite the examples I've given you, retcons aren't actually a bad thing. Sometimes they can help clarify details or update an older story for modern times. Superhero origin stories get retconned all the time to keep them current. The origin story for Iron Man initially had him captured and injured during a war in Asia. This originally came out in 1963 and was clearly a reference to the ongoing Vietnam War. In the 2008 movie, this event was moved to Afghanistan. This is new information that drastically alters what we knew before, but it also makes the story more accessible to modern readers. 
I mean, sometimes a franchise needs retcons to survive. I mentioned before a rule of thumb for retcons, that the longer the series and the higher the stakes, the more frequent the retcons. You want proof? Let's look at Star Trek. With so many series and movies taking place in the same universe since the 1960s, it's no wonder that things have had to change. The most recent set of movies straight up made an alternate universe that changed nearly every character from the original series. The current series, Star Trek Discovery, is in its entirety a retcon. It's providing new adventures, characters, and relationships that change the way we see the events of the original 1960s series. Spock now has an adopted sister and hangs out with her. The Mirrorverse is spitting out evil clones left, right, and center. Klingons look completely different than any other piece of Star Trek media. And it all works. Nothing in the series contradicts the rules of the universe or the events we know will happen in this timeline. So it's a very successful large-scale retcon. So successful that you may not have even realized it was a retcon. Of course, there are some that you will definitely recognize. One of the most popular types of retcons that you've seen over and over again is the fake-out death. A character that was killed in a previous movie or episode is now revealed to be alive. Two of my favorite examples of this come from my beloved Fast and Furious. If you haven't heard my epic rant on the genius of the Fast saga, you should check it out after this. But they are famous for providing some of the most ridiculous stunts ever put to film. The characters cheat death so often that in the last film, one guy genuinely starts to believe that they're immortal. And that's not too far off. The main female character of the series, Letty, was killed about halfway through film four. But then she was teased as being alive in the post credit scene of five and made a full return in six. The retcon was that she was only injured and lost her memory. So that's why she didn't go tell everyone that she was alive. But that's not even my favorite retcon in this series. The true genius of the Fast Saga is that they can retcon a retcon. In the third film, a character by the name of Han dies in a car crash. The end credit scene for the sixth movie reveals that the crash wasn't an accident, but rather it was caused by Jason Statham to get back at Vin Diesel. But wait, there's more. In the ninth film, we learn that Statham was actually manipulated into killing Han by a secret organization as a way to fake his death and send him undercover. Genius! It's a retcon inception! Of course, not every franchise can pull off retcons with the same style. James Bond has a pretty iffy past with these. Honestly, I could have used only the James Bond franchise for examples. 27 movies over 60 years and some real serious retcons. The one you've probably all caught on to by now is the revolving door of actors playing the part of 007. Each new actor is a retcon of the previous one. We're saying that Bond has always looked like that, and has always talked like that, and no one in the universe comments on the change. That's just one example, if a very famous one. The Craig series of films tried to retcon the entire Bond mythos. In Casino Royale, we are presented with an origin story for Bond that was supposed to work with all previous films. We never learned how Bond became 007, so it's a legitimate retcon that actually really holds up. Then they got a bit drunk off of success. 
they started adding more and more details about Bond's backstory. We visit his childhood home and blow it up in Skyfall. But Spectre is where we see a few too many retcons piling up. They bring back the iconic villain Ernst Blofeld, but now he's revealed to have grown up with Bond and was so jealous of him in childhood that he formed Spectre specifically to target Bond and ruin his life. Okay, seems a bit much, but you do you. That's not even the only major retcon in this film. The other major reveal is that the Bond girl for this outing, Madeline Swan, is the daughter of Mr. White, an antagonist from Casino Royale. There's a lot of retconning that all hinges on everyone being related somehow. The goal of the retcons here were to give new characters like Swan and Blofeld immediate importance and emotional connections to Bond. We've had three movies to learn and care about the other major characters, so a retconned backstory is a fast and easy way to force the characters to care, and hopefully get the audience to as well. And it gets even weirder in the next film. No Time to Die doubles down on the retcons and introduces another secret global organization that's been pulling the strings all along. And this guy also has a connection or obsession with Swan and now a vendetta against Blofeld. So they tried to retcon the retcon and ended up leaving viewers with more questions than answers. So in the future, let's try to learn from Bond's mistakes. Just because you can retcon something doesn't mean you should. Sadly, not many people take that advice. Retcons are always happening. Big, small, good, bad. They're part of narrative. And not just the fun narratives. It's easy to catch on to retcons in entertainment. It's not always so easy to tell when it's happening outside the silver screen. And it does happen. When people are trying to sell you a story of X thing good or Y thing bad, they'll use the same techniques that Hollywood does right down to the retcons. They'll try to incorporate new information into their narrative and pretend it's always been there. They'll twist in the wind to make their truth the truth, even as it starts to make less and less sense. So keep an eye out for retcons in all your narratives. They can be pretty sneaky if you're not paying close attention. I hope you learned something new. And remember, the real curse is sharing this information with your friends, family, and unsuspecting co-workers. If you enjoyed this production, like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And please tell us some of your most cursed knowledge by joining us on the forums at epsilontheory.com. remember that squirrels are responsible for most of the power outages in the U.S.